Maybe it's just a harsh truth of growing up, realizing that candy is not that good. Or maybe, even more likely, that candy was never that good in the first place. And I know that this is a highly controversial opinion. I'm here to, mainly to boost the listenership of High Floor, Low Ceiling. But to be clear, I'm not talking about sweetness as a concept. I'm not talking about the entire realm of sugar. I'm talking about the gummies, the chewies, the crunchies, the tootsies, etc. That's not to say that I was like an unhappy child who sat in the corner and only ate my broccoli. I definitely remember liking candy. But more than liking candy, I remember the incredibly gross feeling inside your mouth the day after Halloween and the gross feeling inside your stomach as well. Chocolate. We're talking chalk now. It scratches an itch that candy does not. It's gooey. It melts in your mouth. It has the hint of bitterness that reminds you how great the sweetness is, much like life itself. So it's a bit of a life lesson as well. That's pretty big. Don't be alarmed if your mouth is watering hearing my dulcet tones talk about this delicious ooey-gooey treat because my mouth is watering just talking about it, and that's terrible for podcasting. When you think about candy, you think about that cloying, harsh sweetness like a Hallmark movie that's trying too hard to make you cry. In short, candy, not worth the price of admission. Long live chocolate. And speaking of a sweet treat, here's another episode of High Floor. Low ceiling. Hello and welcome to High Floor Low Ceiling, the podcast where... And go ahead and fill us in, Griffin. We keep our floors high and our ceilings low, folks. We're so glad you're tuning in today for, I think, what is our spookiest episode oh, yeah. yet. Shoot, I forgot. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna do a voice. Let me. Let I me, thought you. I was surprised you didn't do a voice. Let me take that again. Welcome to high floor low scaling. Is that better? Uh, oh. It was a little too good. <laughs> I'm frightened. But yes, we we alluded to this last week, last week. This <laughs> is our Halloween spooktacular. Ooh, we just this is a good this is a good Dracula you got going over there. I'm kind of proud of it. We'll throw in a ghost sound or two to make it uh, make it really work. <laughs> Take that. You. Yeah, good fully work. Um, <laughs> but yes, welcome to High Floor Low Ceiling. It's a Halloween spooktacular. This is going to come out right in time for the scariest season. Griffin, you're a big Halloween fan, isn't that correct? I am, yeah. Well, I just, uh, I've had multiple people describe me as a golden retriever type personality over the years. And mm. a big part of that, I think, is that I love holidays. They're fun, you know? Who doesn't want to have a little fun in life, especially these days? Everything's so miserable all the time. <laughs> so let's go out. Let's have a little fun. Sports are fun. Holidays are fun. Let's smash them together. Let's have our spookiest episode yet. Yeah, much like a baseball bat to a jack... Oh, I keep kicking <laughs> That's staying in. Much like... That was probably a ghost that made that... That, oh. kick, that ghost kicked the computer, not me. Uh, oh, there he is. Yes, yes, ghost, I hear you. Knock twice if this is a bad bit. Stop kicking the computer. Oh, he, he did not knock twice, so this is a good bit. Of course it's a good bit. <laughs> 
Oh, from the caves to the haunted house. That's what high floor, low ceiling pledges to bring you. Uh, but let's get into our spooky slate of stories this week. That was just totally on the fly. Uh, well, actually, Chris, before we do that, I do have a bit of a beef with your rant. I know we like oh, to sort of the leave table. the rants as a cold open, but I'm going to take the opposite point. To me, chocolate was more of a thing when I was a kid. Maybe mm. I still have some growing up to do, mm. but I don't love chocolate. But lately I've been finding myself really enjoying like a good a good jujube, a good gummy, a good Sour Patch Kid. Like I think I'm going to take the stance of candy over chocolate. And in particular, I'm going to lose us a lot of listeners. I'm sick and tired of candy corn getting hate. Candy wow. corn is good. It's a good texture. It's fun to eat. It's deliciously sweet. You can only eat like five and then it gets gross. But that's the thing. If you take your candy corn in small doses and you eat it in small doses, like all good things should be take in moderation, medicine. candy corn is good. And all these people who pretend to hate candy corn because it's the cool thing to do uh, can go to hell. Okay, that is number one. That's psychotic. Um, you're like a scary movie monster yourself with how crazy you're being. I just think that people love. It's like Nickelback. Like everyone's like, "Oh, Nickelback sucks," but they don't actually hate Nickelback. They just know that people like to hate Nickelback. Candy corn is the Nickelback of candy in a good way. <laughs> I think you are right that definitely candy corn gets more hate than it deserves when the far worse candy is. The weird brown lump wrapped up in the skull wrapping. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a weird. It's like you'd caramel. find it in like a. It, you only like ever get it at Halloween. Or something. You only ever get it at Halloween. It's like the grossest tasting caramel you've ever tasted with like a Halloween themed packaging. And that's far worse. But I hard disagree. The main thing about candy corn, I agree that I, the texture is fun. I like to chew into one of those guys. I don't think it tastes good at all. It's really bad, actually. I mean, it is just pure sweetness, and that does not go with everyone. But to me, and that's why you can't eat too much of it, but to me, delicious. Leave candy corn alone. Yeah, and I, I, I'm actually with you on a jujube. I like a good jujube. Like, I like a very a basic flavor, a basic texture, that kind of thing. But, you know, in my, in my youth, I loved a, a Starburst or a Skittle or things of that mm. nature. Uh, a sour patch kid, but I don't think I'm. I don't think I mess with those too much anymore. Sometimes when I go to the movies, I get like a pack of Skittles because I'm like, oh, Skittles, great, and I get like ten in, and I'm like, I cannot keep going on this pack of Skittles. This yeah. is too much for me. That's the thing. It's like, God, are we old? Definitely, yeah. Uh, you love to talk about how you're younger than me. But, I am, but you are very old as well. So, oh. <laughs> damn, this is spooky. I told you it's the harsh truth of going up. You're like a you're like Jacob Marley. That's how, I guess Christmas, not Halloween. Yeah. But. Oh, trust me, we'll we'll have several Christmas episodes <laughs> if I get my way. Yeah. Best holiday. The twelve episodes of Christmas. Oh, Ooh. that's actually a good idea. <laughs> have to start now. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps so, and perhaps we will. And speaking of starting now, we're going to start now with our first segment. It's called NFL Horror Stories. Ah, 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 ah. This is really good. I'm yeah. liking this episode so yeah. far. The uh, more voices, the better. I think that our listenership has shown that the more episodes with voices, those those episodes really spike. Precisely. And also, you know, just to, to talk about the reception from last episode, just through the roof. Thank you to Clem for joining us from the cave. Thank you to Griffin for using that accent. Yeah, that was my gift to all of you. Um, we have sealed up the cave today, Clem. Cannot be heard from there. Yep, cannot breathe, cannot. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're we're going to check on him in a few weeks. We took care of him. Don't worry. But no, yeah, thank you to everyone who listened. Uh, if you are listening right now, be sure to follow us on Spotify. Be sure to leave a five-star review if you're liking the pod on Apple. We really appreciate all of your feedback, and it really helps the show a lot. So please give us a follow, give us a subscribe, give us a like, give us a five stars. We It means the world. And hey, speaking of following, we now have a show Twitter page, Griffin. Woo! So you can follow us at HFLC Podcast. You can turn on notifications to get all the newest episodes. You can send in your questions for a future mailbag episode. Yeah, maybe we'll be we'll be setting up maybe some polls over there. You can uh, you can follow the account to catch Chris and I's takes on maybe things that like aren't big enough to make a full podcast segment, but something we just want to fire out in the moment. There will be mm-hmm. a lot of fun stuff over there. Yeah. And let us know what you want to see on the Twitter account too. Yeah, I think there will probably be, by the time this episode comes out, there will be a chocolate versus candy poll up that people can go vote on. So Team go candy. vote on that uh, and follow the account. That's, again, HFLC Podcast on Twitter. So have some fun with that. But, again, I must reiterate that we're talking about NFL horror stories. Don't you didn't want to? I, I don't know. It wasn't as scary the second time. I knew it was coming. Mm. That's the that's the thing about scaring. It tends to only work once. But <laughs> we're going to talk about some teams that I think you can reasonably label NFL contenders right now. Uh, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna deviate a little. I think we should start by talking about the AFC, and specifically, I think we should start by talking about the lack of contenders in the AFC right now. Uh, so if you look at the standings, the so basically the teams that we thought would probably be contenders, the Bills. The Ravens, they're still up there. But then, who else do you have, in short, other than those two teams I named? The Chargers are 4-2. I think they could probably threaten to win one or two playoff games. Kansas City is 3-4. and four. Let's, let's start with Kansas City, because we're, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills and about their, uh, their horror story. And I think their horror story is very closely tied to the Kansas City Chiefs. So, let's talk about the... The scary zombies, the Kansas City Chiefs. Will Griffin, the Chiefs, rise again out of their tombs? Yeah, well, we when we were discussing this segment, we knew that we wanted to do horror stories on contending teams, sort of their worst-case scenarios. And for half a second, I thought, oh, should we do the Chiefs? And then I was like, oh, but they're already living their horror story. The offense looks bad. Patrick Mahomes does not look like himself. He's been turning the ball over a ton. They're not really dealing like with any major injuries uh so there's no real explanation for what is happening here um but yeah they're on the outside looking in there are several spots slots away in the playoff picture the colts the patriots and the steelers are all closer to a playoff spot than they are even with the expanded playoffs it's scary times in kansas city yeah, I think the big thing for them, if you're going to talk about a reason behind it, because they are still, I'm just playing, they are still eighth in points for the points they've scored, but 27th in passing uh, in points allowed. They're near the bottom of the NFL in a lot of stats like yardage allowed, advanced stats, things like that. Looking at their schedule, they have had quite a tough go. I mean, they played, they, they beat the Browns, they lost to the Ravens and the Chargers, who are both really solid teams. They beat the Eagles, lost to the Bills, beat the football team, and then had a really, really bad loss last week against the Titans. 
uh, where Mahomes went out with the injury as well. That's that's a that's a difficult schedule. You have to admit. It is, yeah. But you're the Kansas City Chiefs. You are the difficult schedule. You are the mm-hmm. team that teams quake to play. Like they they should have been. They probably were favored in every single one of those games. Like these are not as much as their quality opponents. These are not teams that the Kansas City Chiefs should be going three and four against. Yeah, and even looking ahead, they do have a tough schedule the rest of the season as well. Like they're going to play the Packers. They're going to play the Raiders on the road, who are still maybe a little bit, uh, we don't know how for real they are, but still. They play the Cowboys. They play the Raiders twice, actually. They're going to play the Chargers again. They're going to play the Bengals. And so, I mean, you could even throw the Steelers in there. I would hope they wouldn't lose against the Steelers. But that's at least four, five other games that you could reasonably say could could potentially be losses for them. And this was a team that we, we were talking about, not we, but at the start of the season, People were talking about 17-0 and 0 as a real possibility for them. Yeah, it's a disaster right now. I don't think it's exaggerating to say that. Like, this team, very real chance. I would even say a likelihood they don't make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, and so that sort of brings us back around to this potential NFL horror story of the Buffalo Bills, who are really, really feel like the new Chiefs in some way. Uh, it, I think it's partly due to the lack of contenders in the AFC, but... They're number one in fewest yards allowed. They're number two in both points scored and points allowed. They lead the league or are top two in the league in a lot of stats and advanced stats on both ends of the ball. Uh, do, do you think that they are like, you know, a, a dominant team? They showed us a lot last year for sure. Do you think that they are a dominant team who deserves to be called the, the contender in the AFC right now? Or do, yeah. you think, do you think the Ravens are up there with them? I mean, I do think the Ravens are up there. The Ravens horror story, as easy as it is to say, is Lamar Jackson missing games with some sort of injury. That one's pretty simple. He's been their entire team so far. But the Bills are definitely the most complete team in the American Football Conference, as uh, someone who hates acronyms would say. And, uh, yeah, I think you you would definitely call them the favorite. But that horror story, like we said, Chris, comes from a late run from the Kansas City Chiefs where they squeak their way into one of those low seeds in the playoffs and then you've got this monster looming over the Buffalo Bills very scary for fans in Buffalo I think is the idea of the Chiefs sneaking up on them in the playoffs yeah I think I think that definitely is the big threat you know you think of it didn't end up actually happening but you think of the Lakers last year where they were the seventh seed and you know that was the team that no one really wanted to draw obviously they ended up being a a little more of a uh what's a what's a monster metaphor here a little more dog than Wolfman, if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, but, <laughs> that classic metaphor. Yeah, that famous Medi. Uh, well, they were a Wolfman with like three broken legs. It was injuries. Yes, three broke the hind leg and hand legs and one foreleg, of course. Uh, but I think I think you're right that if you know if the Chiefs end up being in that position, then that could potentially drastically change the outlook of the AFC playoffs if they're knocking over a. A higher seed because and again a big thing to think about is with the expanded playoffs only the top seed in the conference gets a first round bye and so that's a team that you know could be if the bills are you know number two behind the ravens or something like that that could be knocked out in the first round yeah absolutely uh so that first round bye is going to be so crucial for the bills in particular right now if you look at the playoff picture they're technically third or fourth in the afc 
behind the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Titans, but I think they'll be sitting in that bye spot by the time we uh, come around to the end of the year. Yeah, they're they're four and two. The other teams are five and two. I'm just having a quick peek at their schedule. I mean, like the loss to the Steelers, I think really could come back to hurt them. Uh, For sure, the Titans really really on a nice roll when you think about it. With with wins against back to back wins against the Bills and the Chiefs, uh, they have had a very easy schedule. They have wins. Their wins are against the Dolphins, the football team, the Texans, and then the Chiefs. Um, but you know they they have a super easy schedule the rest of the way. Uh, they'll play the Bucks. If you want to say that the Patriots are a good football team, they'll play them a couple of times. They play the Colts, but then the rest of the way down, it's Dolphins, Jaguars, Jets, Panthers, Falcons, Jets again. Like it's it's really it. They could definitely string together some wins and just end up running away with the conference. Yeah. So uh, especially if the Chiefs start to put together some wins as well and maybe knock the Browns out of this last playoff spot, you're going to see a lot of jockeying in the last couple of weeks to try to avoid that first round matchup with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think. I mean, this is a very obvious and stupid statement, but I'm going to say it anyways. Quarterback health is going to be a big story, I think, over the last half of this season where you have the Browns and the Chiefs potentially having some banged up injured quarterbacks and maybe the team that can come out of that with some wins is probably the team that that will go on to be a playoff team. For sure. Uh, but let's move on to the National Football Conference. Uh, just just real quick, what do you think of the, the idea of the American and National as the two... Uh, two conferences in both baseball and football i mean it makes more sense in football because there are no uh canadian teams like we do have the one in baseball maybe sometime the two if uh, the tampa montreal bay rays ever come to fruition but i don't know doesn't it always felt redundant to me can't we just call it like the football conference and the the uh, ball foot conference the end zone conference i don't know the <laughs> The wow. goalpost conference and the midfield conference. Like, why do they have to be American and national? One team gets the football conference, and the other team has the other conference has to be the end zone conference. Okay. Well, that's not even. But, yeah, uh, it's a little unnecessarily harsh to one side. But speaking of unnecessarily harsh, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to be unnecessarily harsh on them and say it's the Dallas Cowboys. They are five and one, but we've seen this story before, wouldn't you say, Griffin? I would, yeah. Dallas Cowboys, especially in the last few years, have really impressed people in the regular season, and then they run into an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady in the playoffs, and it all comes crumbling down, just like always. They play in the worst division in football. I would say their horror story is having to face a team not from the NFC East in the playoffs. That's pretty scary if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. But on the other hand, I would have said the same thing about the Atlanta Braves, and they're in the World Series. Um, but you know what? Still, Cowboys... You're not doing anything. You're the Cowboys. I'm not hedging. This The <laughs> horror story for the Dallas Cowboys is the fact that once they get to the playoffs, they will have to play good teams, and they will lose. Yeah. Well, the, the one point in their favor, if you want to, uh, to give them some points, they do have the best offense in football right now. It's worth pointing out. Um, looking at their schedule, you know, they, they've had some quality wins. Well, really just one quality win against the Chargers. They beat the Pats in overtime. That was, a, that was a solid win, I would say, against a pretty good team. Uh, and they do have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. And I think that is their main sort of competitive advantage is the lack of contenders in their division. Um, so they're 5-1. and one. They have almost as many wins as the rest of their division combined. 
Philly, Washington, and New York Giants are all two and five. Um, you know, I think much like the Chiefs, like we were talking about, defense is going to be a question mark at times. Uh, they do have that top-ranked offense, but also have the 20th-ranked defense in points allowed. So that's definitely a cause for concern. And then, again, injuries. You know, it's It seems very stupid to say that injuries could hurt a team. But when you have Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott as the two sort of main cogs of your offense, then that becomes a much more real concern, no? Yeah, I think so. These Cowboys rely on a couple of players on that number one offense who have had a history of injuries. Um, I, I did, I, yeah, when we talked about horror stories, that felt like a cop-out. Obviously, anyone can get injured at any time in the National Football League, but for the Cowboys, it's a, something that we've seen before, and it's something to be afraid of. So a lot of, a lot of uh, skeletons in the closet of the Dallas Cowboys. I tried to go for a horror metaphor, but I'm not sure if <laughs> skeletons in the closet really applies. A lot of uh, monsters under the bed, you might there say. There we go. That's a good one. Uh, that's not really Halloween theme per se, but uh, I digress. And I think the big thing with Dallas is that, you know, in contrast to the AFC, there are a lot of good teams in the NFC. You have the Packers at 6-1. and one. You have Tampa at 6-1. and one. Even New Orleans is not really a great team, I wouldn't say. What do you think about New Orleans? They're 4-2 and two right now. Uh, had another nice win on Monday night. Uh, what do you think about them so far this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pleasantly surprised by New Orleans, but I don't know. It's just like they're sitting in the playoffs right now, and if you look at the teams that are sitting outside the playoffs, I don't really know who's going to catch them. Like the Falcons, the Bears, and the Panthers are the next three up. Neither, None of those three really look that intimidating. There's the 49ers as well, the Seahawks, who are dealing with their own injuries, have been there 2-5. and five. So, I mean, I guess the Saints will probably end up in the playoffs but I can't imagine they'll pose much of a challenge for the Packers or the Bucks or whoever they end up playing in the first round there yeah it would certainly uh, be an interesting story if the Falcons end up making a push for that playoff spot considering how they started the year um, but in terms of other contenders you have the Rams at six and one and then the last team that we are going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals I think we've talked about them probably in like three or four out of our five episodes so far I'm pretty uh, sure in our first episode, didn't we declare our, or maybe in our second episode, didn't we say we're the official podcast of the, or the Arizona Cardinals, our favorite team? We have some sort of affiliation. real affiliation with the Arizona Cardinals. We got to keep bringing them back. Cardinal right. up. <laughs> Cardinal up. Uh, then in that case, I'm going to declare us the good luck charm of the Arizona Cardinals. Griffin, we talked about the 3-0 teams. We talked about how many of those teams have since fallen off. We talked about the Broncos, talked about the Panthers. The Cardinals... Still riding seven and zero. Oh. Uh, I what I sort of wrote down here is, you think about the last two years, the big talking point was Cliff Kingsbury's style doesn't work in the NFL. They sort of started to prove them wrong last year, and now it's sort of they've turned it into a very real thing. Uh, the the one concern with them, I think, you know, like seven and zero oh doesn't necessarily guarantee everything. Anything you think about the Steelers last year, they started what eleven and zero. Yeah, the worst 11-0 and team of all time, the easiest schedule in NFL history. But yes, they did start 11-0. and <laughs> uh, And then the Cards as well themselves, they started 6-3 and last year, uh, ended up finishing 500, so definitely a collapse there. But they're, they're dominating right now. And I think the big thing is they're leading the NFL in points allowed, or rather, they have the fewest points allowed in the NFL. And I think that is the real the story with them, because 
How sustainable do you think that defensive output is from a team like the Cardinals who are they have some they have some talent on defense, I will say. Yeah, I mean, I've been very impressed by the Arizona Cardinals defense. Obviously, they're thought of as a offense first team. They've got maybe the league MVP this year in Kyler Murray. But the defense has been insane, and it's what's elevated them above teams like the Buccaneers and the Packers and the Rams, even in the little bit that they're elevated so far. Going to be an amazing Thursday night football matchup against a, uh, a uh, depleted Packers offense this week, but still one that has Aaron Rodgers and therefore is always dangerous. Um, so I think I think that <laughs> as much as I've just no finished hedging. singing their praises, no hedging, no hedging, this Packers game is going to be the beginning of a little expose on this Cardinals defense. I'm not saying they'll plummet, mm. but they might not be as good as they've been presented so far. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I won't pretend like I'm someone who is super well-versed on every member of a of a given team's NFL defense, but, you know, Buda Baker, obviously a huge name. They picked up J.J. Watt. He's, I mean, he's, you'd call him a difference maker, certainly. Maybe not the difference between an average defense and the best defense in the NFL, but certainly difference maker. Obviously, Chandler Jones, like, they do have talent there, but I would agree that they're probably not a squad, especially since they are so offensively focused. They're not a squad that I think you would necessarily think of as a, a team that will continue to be leading the NFL in points allowed. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at some of their performances, they did allow 33 points to the Vikings. Uh, they let the Jaguars score 19 on them, and they've had some great performances as well, uh, holding the Browns to 14, holding the Texans to 5, but... They've got a couple good wins against the Titans and the Rams, but not a ton of, like, also some pretty easy wins in there as well. So uh, definitely a playoff team, definitely a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're going 17-0, and and I don't think they're going to finish with the best defense in the NFL. Yeah, so I think, I think this is the team that really has the most fleshed-out horror story, the most realistic plot of their horror story, if you want to use that metaphor. Um you know, Murray, I think he is still a little volatile in terms of his style. He's still throwing a fair number of interceptions this year. Uh, they are reliant on a few older players. You know, Chandler Jones is over 30. J.J. Watt, obviously, a veteran in the league. A.J. Green has been really nice for them on the on the other side of the ball. So I think they are a little bit reliant on guys that could end up falling a little bit over the course of the second half of the season. And also, the big thing is, they have the Rams right behind them in oh, the division hot at six on and the one. Tail. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting you to. Do you want, let's talk about the Rams. Like, do, is that a team that you see as more sustainable maybe than the Cardinals? I think so. Matthew Stafford has been looking like another candidate for MVP. They've got that elite receiving core, one of the best defenses in all of football. I think that I certainly expected the Rams to win the division at the start of the year mm -hmm. and come out of the NFC to compete for the Super Bowl. I still think that if I had to put money on it, and you know what? No hedging. Rams are still winning the NFC West. Yeah, I, I like that take as well. Um, I mean, I really like the Rams roster. They seem, you know, if you talk about the Bills being the most complete team in the AFC, I think the Rams are the most complete team in the NFC. Really strong defensively. They, like, they're... Offense has obviously been the big story with Stafford, but Cooper Cup as well. I mean, if you if you want to talk about fantasy numbers, oh, he's been disgusting from a fantasy perspective. Like, just puts up huge numbers every week. So they really they have it all, in my opinion. And you know, you could say the Cardinals have it all too, since they have the number one defense right now. But it's a question of 
how sustainable those will be. And I think I'd rather bet on the Rams sustaining their great offense and great defense than I would on the Cardinals sustaining a great defense. Agreed. So they're spooky for all of you out there in Arizona. Ooh. Yeah, and please write into us with your hate mail. Um, but we, we have been a big proponent of the cards so far. I feel like a lot of our Arizona listeners are going to feel betrayed by this. Well, let's issue an official apology as the official podcast of the Arizona Cardinals. If and they lose. If, we'll, <laughs> if they lose, we'll apologize. I think if they win, we should apologize more likely. Uh, but let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more High Floor, Low Ceiling. Welcome back to High Floor, Low Ceiling. It's like kind of like a Frankenstein mummy type beat. Yeah, yes. <laughs> High Floor, That's Low good. Okay, we'll, we'll stick with that one. Uh, and we are going to stick with the, the scariest theme. Welcome back to our Halloween episode. Hope you are all... Oh, thank you. No, continue. Oh, you wanted the, the second... Ooh. I just feel like sound effects are such a key part of any Halloween setup. Yeah, especially live sound effects are really the, the most crucial element. Most most horror movies have like a guy in the background going... <laughs> they don't even have the violin. Yeah, just have that's the, just a guy. Yeah, uh, but speaking of horror movies, Griffin, you're not a you're not a big fan of horror movies. Is that no, correct? No, I'm not. I uh, I don't. Being scared is not something that I enjoy. It's generally a negative thing for me, mm. and I don't get why people pursue it. I love it personally. I don't get scared enough in my real life. I'm too comfortable. <laughs> Nothing scares you. In <laughs> Nothing life. phases me, and so I prefer a big scary guy to scare me. Uh, and speaking of big scary guys, we're going to play a little segment. This is shamelessly cribbed, I will say, from a great podcast called With Gorley and Rust, hosted by Matt Gorley and Paul Rust. Griffin, you're a big Matt Gorley head, is that correct? I am. Well, I listen to the uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast, which Matt Gorley produces and is quite funny on. So uh, I know him from his non-horror work, surprisingly. Yeah, we're, we're both Gorley heads, so they do... Uh, reviews and series of horror movies griffin actually that podcast might be perfect for you because they describe themselves as a cozy cast they embrace the the inherent coziness in horror movies so maybe that's your you're in for scary movies that would be good because i always am curious to know what happens in scary movies because they always have like a big twist or like a big reveal or something so i quite often will read the plot summary on wikipedia mm. because i'm like oh what happened in the new jordan peele movie or whatever, and then uh, I won't see it. And that way I get to know what happened, but I don't get scared. That's a, that's not a bad strategy. So yeah, check out this podcast. But something they frequently talk about uh, is that they'll sort of lay out three individuals or concepts or things, and they will talk about which one is, uh, out of the horror big three, as I call them, the Freddy, the Jason, or the Michael uh, now you're, I've, I sort of, I had to explain to you a little bit about what these guys' deals is. Yeah, is. You, you gave me a little crash course. Uh, do you want to just quickly brush up our audience as well? Yeah. So if anyone is unfamiliar, you have Michael Myers from the Halloween franchise. He obviously killed his sister at a young age. Uh, he returns to Haddonfield, Illinois. He puts on a mask from a hardware store. Uh, he eats a dog at one point. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, it's implied that he eats a dog. You don't see it on screen. Through uh, the mask, or does he take the mask off? 
I would imagine he takes the mask off. That would be a messy meal, to be <laughs> sure, Griffin. <laughs> now that's scary. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's he's sort of like, he's the, the quintessential killer, in my opinion. He never runs. He always just walks around. He's got a knife. He's got his coveralls. He's got that famous white mask. Do you find that mask scary, Griff? I do find that mask scary. Fun fact, I'm sure you knew this, but it's actually a uh, Captain Kirk mask, if I have my trivia correct. Your trivia is absolutely correct. They had that William Shatner mask. They spray-painted it white, and then that, and then Michael Myers was born. And really, here's an interesting fact, Griffin. They do not have the original mask, and they have had a lot of trouble recreating the mask. In certain movies, the mask is far inferior to the original mm, some some cast members stole the mask off the original set uh, i believe one of the stories is that it was underneath uh, deborah hill who co-wrote the film with john carpenter the great director of course uh she kept it under her bed and then it was damaged by cigarette smoke oh no i know that's why you don't smoke kids absolutely might, that's the real horror story you might damage a valuable <laughs> piece of movie history <laughs> yeah you might damage a great prop um, but yes, and then there's Jason Voorhees. I will say Jason's a little bit of a Michael ripoff. Uh, Friday the 13th, of course, coming a couple of years after Halloween. So Jason Voorhees, uh, he was drowned in a lake as a boy. Uh, originally, it drove his mother to become a killer, but then Jason himself later returned. It's not totally clear how. He's sort of, I, I said to Griffin, he's sort of a woodsman. He likes hanging out in the cabin in the woods. Not The Cabin in the Woods, of course. <laughs> That's a horror movie that I have seen. Very good. Yeah. It's also referenced in Scary Movie 5, which I watched last night. Um, <laughs> but yes, so Jason's more of a woodsman. He hangs out around Camp Crystal Lake a lot. He likes being outdoors. In the 2009 remake, he's sort of a hunter figure. <laughs> he uses a crossbow to shoot someone who's water skiing. This is good. This will really help our audience understand the game. Well, you know, I, I'm just trying to... Get everyone up to speed. And then I think the most distinct of them all is Freddy, Frederick Krueger. And they originally sometimes call him Fred Krueger, which is weird. Uh, From the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. He, of course, was a a janitor slash deviant who murdered children. Uh, He murdered them in his boiler room. He was then accosted by the parents of the town who burned him alive. And then he became a dream guy. Uh, so he inhabits the dreams of those who live in, I believe it's Springfield, also Illinois, perhaps. The Illinois, speaking of, you know, we talk about the, oh, the Midwest a lot on this podcast, a ripe ground for horror. Yeah, stay safe if you're one of our listeners in Illinois. Keep an eye out for uh, scary monsters, spooky sprites, all that sort of thing. They're out to get you. Yeah, Michaels, Freddy's, the like. Um, so Freddy, he'll inhabit your dreams. He'll sort of twist your your greatest fears against you. He, of course, has his claw fingers. And the big thing about Freddy, he loves to quip. Uh, he loves to make jokes. So just give me a situation. Tell me about something you're afraid of, Griffin, and I'll tell you what Freddy might say as he was killing you. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid of uh, being abandoned at sea. Okay, so you're lost at sea. Um, so Freddy, he's on the boat. You're on a boat, and then Freddy shows up. Uh, and he he stabs you in the chest, of course, with his claw fingers. Ah. He'll throw you in the water, uh, and then oh, he he would say, he'd say, "Don't go swimming for thirty minutes after bleeding." 
Chris, have you ever considered writing a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie? That was I was pretty proud of that. I will say I was pretty happy with how that turned out. So that gives you a that gives you a taste of what Freddy's whole deal is. He also wears a, a hat and a striped sweater. If that, that helps I do at all. know that I've seen in many a uh, Value Village Halloween costume. To be sure. So we are going to talk about who the Freddy, Jason, and Michael are of some sports trios that I prepared, Griffin. Uh, so let's get let's start this off. Uh, American League MVP candidates. Obviously, you think there are only two of those: Shohei Otani and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I added in Aaron Judge. I could have added in Marcus Semyon, but that felt a little redundant. Uh, so yeah, those those three, Griffin. Let's start. Uh, maybe let's start by saying who we think the Michael is. And what I think we should do is we should both. I think we should both take a few seconds to consider it, and then simultaneously. We will say. Actually, I think I think I know who the Freddy is. Is what I will say. I, I think I'm formulating a good three here. Um, for the Michael, I'm gonna say Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. And what makes you say that? Well, he's big. Certainly. He's certainly brooding. Uh, and the Yankees are just sort of unstoppable. They're the evil empire. No matter what you do, they just keep coming. I feel like that's a Michael Myers trait. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the most classic of franchises in Major League Baseball, much like Michael is the classic Halloween killer. Very true. So uh, I'm, I'm feeling confident in that one. Uh, for the Freddy, I'm going to give Freddy, or do you want to do your Michael? No, I, I fully agree with you. I think, uh, I think we'll probably match up here, and I can talk about my Freddy, because I think that definitely these three, the guy with the who likes fun the most, who's the biggest jokester, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That's exactly what I was going to say. The guy plays baseball with a smile on his face. Uh, he's got quick hands, just like Freddy when he's stabbing people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Vladdy, we saw him get, I think he was duct taped to the dugout earlier in the year. The guy just has fun out there. The Blue Jays are a really fun team. Uh, so yeah, I fully agree. Freddy is Vladdy. And that makes Otani our Jason, which kind of makes sense because I, I think of him a lot of times as like, He's a big kid. Uh, you know, he's passionate about baseball in in a very like childlike wonderment and appreciation of the game. So I think you could see him as as a Jason, as a as a little frog boy that got drowned and has has been resurrected to play the big game of baseball. Absolutely. <laughs> is there is there some what's what's the serial killer equivalent of being a two way player? Uh, I guess that would be if you killed people mm-hmm. but you also committed like tax evasion you just tacked on a separate unrelated crime and you were like really good at both of them you're like the world's best serial killer but also never paid any taxes i love that and i don't think jason has paid any taxes so you're probably right on the money here uh so i think we nailed those let's press ahead i have here the lakers Big three, obviously assembled this off season. Not off to the hottest start, I will say. Uh, so you know you can you can throw in your thoughts about the Lakers so far here. But LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook are our candidates for our Michaels, Jasons, and Freddies. Hmm, this one is tough. Uh, I'm gonna start with Freddie for this one. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you'll agree. I think Freddie is Russell Westbrook. Uh, he's just like. I don't know, just something about the way he plays. He's energetic. He's sort of a pest. Um, he 
has those bursts of speed and quickness. Uh, some that play style, it's sort of like herky jerky. It reminds me of Freddy's quip style, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. So I'm gonna call uh, Freddy Krueger Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I agree. This is a tough one. Um, Freddy certainly, you know, I would call him the most energetic of the killers. And so I think that Westbrook is a good call in that regard. Uh, one thing worth considering here, just I don't know if you know this, Griffin, LeBron James. Actually, I'm, I'm just going to I will accept your Freddy and I will throw this in to further cement our three. LeBron James, I don't know if you know this, is a big Friday the 13th fan. I did not know that. I mean, LeBron seems like you, the type of person who has never been scared of anything in his entire life. So it makes sense that he would like horror movies. Yeah, he is, I think, specifically a big fan of Jason. He has these famous, uh, here, I'm going to show you something here, Griffin. The LeBron 13, Friday the 13th edition. Ooh, that's a scary looking shoe. Some very cool shoes that have uh, some uh, what looks like a blood stain on them, which is very cool. Uh, I think he has a Jason tattoo as well. Um, there, there's a big thing about how he wanted to, has wanted to remake Friday the 13th. Would um, he play Jason? That would be a scary Jason. That would actually would be a scary Jason. Oh, I'm, so I'm looking at the tattoo. There, It's actually got all of our friends. We've got Michael, Freddy, and Jason. I'm just pulling this up to show to you, Griffin. Here it is, LeBron James, a huge horror fan. Look at that. Well, you know what? We'll do LeBron a favor. We'll let him be his beloved Jason. And in return for doing that favor, LeBron, you can come on the podcast. Absolutely. I think you owe us that much. Well, finally, Uh, he's been asking every week. Did you know that? He's been DMing me on Instagram saying, hey, can I come on the pod? And I'm like, I just don't know if if we're that type of pod, like an athlete interview pod. Yeah, that's more your other podcast, not to spoil our plug segment. Um, and that I think that makes sense because that makes Anthony Davis, Michael Myers, he's sort of a shambler, certainly the least mobile of uh, of these three players. So I think I think that tracks, don't you think? Yeah, I like that a lot. All right, perfect. Well, we've nailed that down. Uh, here's one that will hit a little close close to home. Uh, AFC North quarterbacks. So I've I've excluded Baker Mayfield because he's injured, so he doesn't get a spot on this list. Uh, he can be Leatherface. Uh, but we have Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Ben Roethlisberger. And I think right away, we know exactly who our Michael is. Yeah, I think, well, why don't you say it? Because I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> well, not to embarrass our good friend, Bren J, but Ben Roethlisberger, he moves like a Michael Myers. He is slow. He's shuffling around. You would not count on him to run anywhere. He just sort of and sure, like sometimes he'll show up in a clutch position and, and stab you right through the head. But he, he's definitely our slowest quarterback. And by extension, he must be our slowest killer, I feel. And based on the fact that they're still making Halloween movies, I feel like he's still in the game well mm. past his prime and it's well past <laughs> time to retire. So that might be a Michael Roethlisberger connection as well. I feel like for very similar reasons as Russell Westbrook, I want to call Lamar Jackson our Freddy. Uh, also, just like from pure size, that's been factoring in as well. I do think Burrow is bigger than uh, Lamar. and But just the energy, the herky-jerky, the bursts of speed and quickness, you never know where he's going to come from. I mean, sometimes the way Lamar moves on the field, you think, like, you got to pinch yourself. It's like, is that real? Did someone just really do that? Is that something a quarterback can do? 
so that's a dream connection. So I'm calling Lamar Freddy Krueger. Okay, so what's so let's make let's try and make the Burrow uh, Jason connection here. Might be a little more tenuous than the other two. Uh, so what's Joe Burrow's deal? He's he's young, so that sort of gets into Jason's childlike uh, that he was the uh, a victim. He wasn't murdered, but he did drown in the in Camp Crystal Lake's lake, which I assume is called Crystal Lake. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow might drown behind his complete lack of an offensive line. Hey yo. Uh, maybe a bit more of a preseason. Yeah, uh, they've been playing well. Credit to the Bengals; they've been playing well. I don't believe in them. Wow. Okay. Well, let's. let's you know what? I'm. I'm gonna take. I'm a quick, calling them fake. If we switch the game, Bengals are fake. That's fascinating. So, what do you, you just don't think that they really have the the personnel? Is that the issue with them? Yeah, I think they will be good. They'll they'll make the playoffs on the merit of a weak AFC. In a couple years from now, they'll be a bona fide Super Bowl contender. But it's too early. They're too young. Uh, once it gets to playoff football, they'll crumble, for now. But they'll be back. Interesting. You know, uh, you know, Jamar Chase says he's really he's proved the doubters wrong, Griffin. I will say, including myself. Oh, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. Well, Joe Burrow. If you aren't a Super Bowl contender, you can at least consider yourself the Jason of the AFC North. <laughs> and to make it up to you, we'll also let you come on the podcast. He's been DMing us as well. Oh, wow. I haven't been telling you this because yeah, I you, didn't want... You've really been hiding things from me. I'm I, just, I didn't want it to overwhelm you. Well, it's true. Uh, but let's move on to our final set of Freddy's, Jason's, and Michael's. Uh, this is a list that I call the NBA trade bait list. So you have Ben Simmons... You have Kyrie Irving, who we talked about last week. He had a lot of fun opinions about Kyrie Irving. Uh, and then Damian Lillard, who is maybe not as much trade bait as the other two, but I think if a if a star player is going to get traded during the season, it's going to be Dame, no? Yeah, I mean, we did hear those rumors in the offseason that the Blazers were going to blow it up and Dame was going to be on his way out. It never really came to fruition. But uh, I'm going to start off with Freddie, and I'm going to go with... Kyrie running his mouth all the live long day (laughs) saying dumb stuff not really quips because nothing Kyrie says is funny uh but Freddie is Kyrie I I like that take I think you know he's he's a very philosophical guy to you know I know you love to bash on Kyrie but let's try and take a slightly more positive bent perhaps oh yeah he's a deep thinker for sure (laughs) Uh, he's a thoughtful guy he's a philosophical guy he's a dreamer you can't you cannot deny that, Griffin. Kyrie Irving is a dreamer. He's a guy that lives in the world of uh, of dreams and of speculation, no? Yes, definitely has his head in the clouds. Would agree. <laughs> Got him. Uh, so I think I think I would agree that, you know, maybe not personality-wise, he's not much of a Freddy, but I don't think there's necessarily a Freddy in this group. No, he doesn't seem like... Like, Freddy kind of seems like he would be fun to hang out with uh, if he wasn't trying to kill you. Kyrie does not. Kyrie just seems like the type of guy where all his friends are like, oh, shut up. <laughs> but I could keep going. You certainly could, and you did. Uh, so check out that episode, uh, episode three, uh, to hear more of Griffin's thoughts on Kyrie Irving. Double O G seven is the name of the episode. Precisely. I'm really good at remembering those names that I write. <laughs> um, I, I I think I have this uh, this take completed here because I I have good reasonings for both of them. I think so. Ben Simmons, he is he's a child. You can't deny that he has some maturity issues. He has some growing up to do. He is a little bit, you know, stuck in the days of his teenagehood when he was, you know, he was the man and he was treated like like a crown prince. And so he, I think, is the Jason here, no? 
I like that a lot. Ben Simmons still, yeah, like you said, stuck in the past. Like Jason got stuck in that mud. It, he, it was a lake, but I, I guess there was mud at the bottom. Probably. How else do people drown? They just their feet get stuck in the mud, and then <laughs> they can't get it. And then the water level slowly rises, and they I drown. I don't think that's right. I don't, I think, don't know. I don't think the e- ecology adds up there. Um, but then my my other take, because Damian Lillard, you think about him, he is a Michael because he is the guy who keeps coming. You know, he he keeps walking forward. He keeps making those clutch shots. Like in a playoff game, he's he's the Michael, right? Because you think he's dead, and then all of a sudden he sits up, he hits a couple threes, and then suddenly he's right back in the mix. So I think I think that is what makes him the Michael. Is sort of the inevitability of Damian Lillard. Yeah, I like that a lot. You've given that one a lot of thought. Uh, that was a fun game. Thank you. And that, that will conclude our uh, our segment on the Freddy's, Jason's, and Michael's. We'll have to bring that back next year. Yeah, I feel like I learned a lot about horror movies. Yeah, we should watch it. We'll, we'll watch a movie and review it for the podcast. A horror movie? Sure. Why it, not? Is, it has to be sports related, though. Oh, sports horror. Uh, how about uh, a segment on the freaking, uh, what's, a, what's a team that's... How about a segment on the freaking New York Jets? Hey. That's a sports horror movie if I've ever seen Whoa, one. Oh, New York Joe, you're back. New York, baby. New I York. thought we got rid of you permanently. Oh, no. You can never get rid of New York. Oh, no. New York is the Michael of cities. <laughs> this is this is the Michael of accents. It does not die. So who is the... Uh... Who who are the other members of the trio for cities? Uh, Freddie is Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Oh and yeah, I like that. Jason is Seattle. <laughs> sure. Uh, but let's move on to our next segment. We're we're gonna we're gonna move away from sports for a bit, Griffin, because we have a segment that you devise, and we're calling it the Halloween Dream Team. I sort of yeah. sounded like. A, guy from Paddington 2, the antique shop owner. but Oh, uh, played by Jim Broadbent. Precisely. I We were discussing Paddington last night. Guys, if you're not looking for a horror movie mm-hmm. to watch, go watch Paddington any any day of the year, every day of the year. Yeah, I, it's a great Christmas film. Uh, Paddington 2 is, in my opinion. But yeah. truly, you could, you could watch it any time, absolutely. It's one of those movies that, like, takes place at Christmas, but I wouldn't call it a Christmas film. But that'll be a great segment for our Christmas episode. What defines a Christmas movie? Precisely, and we will definitely talk about Paddington Two uh, in a future episode. I imagine we should we should just pivot to being a movie review podcast. What do you, you think? think? So we could just throw in an occasional sports movie, stay true to our roots. Precisely, um, but yes. So we we have devised this concept of the Halloween Dream Team. Uh, so we have made these selections, basically trying to create the ultimate Halloween experience. And to do so, we have drafted from the following categories: a candy. A monster, a classic uh, Halloween monster, a classic scary movie, a costume, a decoration, and a Halloween song. Uh, so how do, how do you want to do this, Griffin? Do, you, do we want to go back and forth? Do we want to start with talking about our candies? Yeah, I think we'll go uh, category by category. I do want to point out this is a sports segment because I did name it Dream Teams, mm-hmm. uh, such as the famous 1992 Dream Team. Certainly. Uh, it might not be super sports, but you know what? Holidays, we like to throw... a little variety in there a little fun for you guys uh we'll we don't always stick to sports is what i say yeah we're diverse yeah um but yeah maybe we'll also once we reveal our full teams we'll throw another poll up on the new twitter account at hflc podcast <laughs> you guys can pick the winner who has the best halloween dream mm, team i love it 
But uh, yeah, let's start off with our candy. I went with a classic. You open up your trick-or-treating bag at the end of the night. Uh, you dump them all out on the living room floor, as me and my sister used to do, in two very distinct piles. We could not let the candy touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would always, first thing I would go for would be a caramel. The idea of chocolate around another candy is a classic one. It's one that's been done by a lot of different candy bars, but I think the uh, liquidness of the caramel within the hard milk chocolate is really a great combination. It's two different kinds of sweetness, and it's got the satisfying snap. You can break them in half because there's two little squares in like one of those Halloween-sized mini mm-hmm. bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, can't go wrong with a great caramel. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the caramel myself, but I love your reasoning. I think it shares a lot of attributes, actually, with my selection. I th- considered going Reese's Pieces here, but strangely, I don't think Reese's Pieces is a Halloween candy. Because as I was saying to you earlier, you wouldn't buy Reese's Pieces for Halloween because of nut allergies. True. You got to be a considerate neighbor. Uh, you got to have options open for any dietary restriction. Precisely. I've been saying that a lot on this podcast, but just ignore that. Uh, so my collection, my selection for candy is going to be uh, a, a very underrated bar, in my opinion, the Humble Crunch Bar. Uh, now, this is not to be confused with Crispy Crunch or Crunchy. It is not <laughs> a, a sponge toffee kind of operation here. It is a, a, a rice-based, a, a rice treat uh, wrapped in chocolate. As you were saying, the idea of a candy within another candy is always fun. And so this is like a Rice crispy inside a chocolate bar. I love that rice uh, texture. I love that that crunchiness. I love the chocolate, of course. It's a great chocolate. And like you said, a satisfying snap. Not in the way that a caramel has a snap, but uh, you know you can snap that bar in half and it'll certainly make a crisp snap. Um, I think I would have been more inclined to agree with you if you had ended up going with the crispy crunch bar. Crunch bar is fine, but I mean, Rice Krispies are pretty, pretty bland. I'm going to be confident in my caramel choice. That's totally fair. You know, we're picking for ourselves. You, yep. you got to go with your heart. I've never, I think the sponge toffee just has a, a not very enjoyable texture. It's too, it's too it to hard. You. I mean, yeah, we're, we're picking for ourselves, as you said, uh, and that's what you guys should do. This is also a self-help podcast. Mm-hmm. Look out for number one. Sure. When Which is Crunch Bar. <laughs> when uh, you're uh, playing segmented games on your podcast, don't pick for anyone except yourself. Exactly. Uh, And I think we should operate this in a snake draft style in keeping with our sports theme. Uh, So I'm going to move on to our next category, which is the movie monster. I I am second guessing my pick a little bit here. Um, You know, maybe a Frankenstein would have been the better choice, but I'm going to go with the Wolfman. Uh, I like the Wolfman because of his transformational aspect or wolf person, I should say. I shouldn't be uh, gender exclusive here. So a wolf individual, uh, a lycanthrope, if you will. This is a person who, you know, they they have they have a great method. You, they are, you know, charming and nice on the outside, but when that moon gets full, they are as vicious as all get out. Um, I love that, you know, sort of they that they can't control this transformation. That they're a good person who is sort of being taken over by this mystical disease that they have. Um, it's just it's fun. It's a fun it's a fun concept. Have you ever seen Griffin? And this might be one for you, an American werewolf in London. 
I've heard great things. I haven't gotten around to it just yet, but it's high on the list. Yeah, definitely. It's It's got more of a, a comedic edge than most horror movies. It is. It can be violent at points, certainly, uh, but co-starring one Griffin Dunn. Oh, well, now I have to see it. Uh, I do love the Wolfman, the werewolf pick a lot. Um, I was going to counter with something from one of humanity's oldest civilizations, one of the scariest things. <laughs> Scooby-Doo is tangled with this multiple times. Mm. I'm going with the classic mummy. You wrap yourself up in bandages. You got the creepy glowing eyes poking out. Uh, I think that nothing scarier than getting chased around an old Egyptian tomb by a mummy. And what do you think, Griffin, about the 1990s and 2000s film franchise, The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser? Nothing has ever done worse for the name, the good wow. name of the Mummy Monster. Wow. Were there was there anyone wrapped in bandages in those movies? There were not. No. Then what are you doing? You're you're bastardizing your source material. Sure. Shout out to uh, oh, what's the what's the mummy's name in the mummy? Uh, you you vamp for a bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to. Well, the let mummy. me tell you another thing about mummies: the way they walk with their arms, they don't need to close as much distance because they're getting a head start with their arms already out. Like other monsters, they need to get right up next to you to grab you. The mummy gets a two or three foot head start with those arms stuck out. So that's just something even scarier about being chased by a mummy. You got to put more distance between yourself and the monster. And also, what do they even do when they grab you? They probably don't eat you. They're dead. You don't know. The fear of the unknown is the biggest fear that all people have. All fears stem from the fear of the unknown. And so not knowing what happens to you when a mummy catches you, do they wrap you in bandages? Do they take you to the underworld? Do they take you back into the tomb and lock you in their sarcophagus? I don't think anyone knows. Uh, Source material does not tell us for sure. So that's another thing that makes the mummy so scary. And thirdly, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Anytime. You're ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm just you're, I'm enjoying this. You're supposed to chime in. I didn't have a third thing. I was trying to think of a third thing while I said and thirdly. So please tell us the name of the mummy in the movie The Mummy. Well, first to your point, uh, the film, uh, if if the film the 1999 film The Mummy is any indication, then what they do to you is they eat you with flesh eating scarabs. Okay, I don't, but we established that that movie yeah, is I, not. Well, I don't you established hold that. that movie in any respect. Sure. Um, I, I like to imagine that the classical movie would simply tear you limb from limb. Uh, but, of course, the the main antagonist of The Mummy, uh, they share the same name in both the 1932 classic universal film The Mummy, as well as the 1999 film The Mummy Returns, and, of course, or no, sorry, the 1999 <laughs> film The Mummy and the 2001 film The Mummy Returns, does not appear in the 2008 film The Mummy, colon, Tomb of the Dragon I'm Emperor. I'm on the edge of my seat here for the name of this mummy. It is, of course, Imhotep. Ah. A quality name. That's a great name. I'm going to name my child Imhotep. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, so, yeah, I agree that's a great pick, but I, I can't say that I'm on board with your, your mummy shade. And I think that if we were to take this to the viewers, that many would agree that the... The Mummy 1999 is a quality piece of cinematic entertainment. Well, maybe they just might have to check at HFLC podcast for yet another (laughs) Twitter poll. Or no, we can incorporate that. You guys can let me know in how you vote for these teams. But I'm going to follow it up with a movie. I, As we've said, I'm not a huge 
horror movie guy, but one Halloween time movie that I absolutely love, impeccable performances by Michael Keaton, the unmatchable Catherine O'Hara, and many, many others. I'm going with Beetlejuice. Why did you why did you leave out Alec Baldwin? Alec Baldwin's fine. I'm just like I could I couldn't name every actor in the movie. Yeah. Alec and Baldwin. Catherine O'Hara gets top billing. Well, Alec Baldwin in the news lately though. Yeah, not not for good things, Chris. Uh-huh. I don't know how to tell you this. Talk about spooky scary. Yeah. <laughs> that might be a little insensitive, but well, we'll cut it out. <laughs> no, keep it. Uh yes, Be- Beetlejuice, a great film, obviously a rollicking good time. Uh, also, you know, Winona, Winona Ryder, correct? Is that, yeah, is that yeah, she's great in that movie, too. She, of course, uh, gives her performance of the, the Mambo or whatever. Uh, oh, she sings Deo, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun one. I love the little town. Um, I The thing is, Beetlejuice, he's too rude, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> he's a rude guy. Um, but for my Halloween movie pick... I didn't overthink this. My goal is to win this competition. And so for my Halloween film pick, I chose Halloween. It shares a name with the dang holiday. How can it not be the top Halloween movie? Uh, you know, some people, I was talking about this last night with a good friend of the podcast, Rory Sumner. Shout out to Rory, a.k.a. Roro. Uh, he was saying that he was not a big fan. He finds it overrated, but I could not disagree more. It is a classic of the form. It shows the ways in which you can build suspense and cause scares without, you know, just showing a lot of gore and things like that. A great vibe, a great depiction of, you know, the suburbs and of teenagedom in the late 1970s and early 1980s. I think it is a classic film. Of course, we talked about Michael earlier in this podcast. You can't go wrong with Halloween. It's true. I mean, the name thing is a tough point for me to overcome. I'd just like to address, I don't know if earlier you were accusing me of overthinking. I've never overthought anything in my entire life. I just want that on the record. We duly noted. Uh, <laughs> New York Joe is a prime illustration of that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm I'm an underthinker of anything. All right, Chris, do you want to hit us with your dream, or I don't know, yeah, your dream costume? It's really, I meant to bring this up earlier. Shouldn't it not be called the Nightmare Team? Oh, you know what? I'll change it in the dock here. <laughs> Thank you. This is a, it's a good time to update it. Nightmare teams. All right, folks. From now, you were thinking of this segment as Halloween Dream Teams. Please go back. Please think of it as Nightmare Teams. Yes, please revise on. your mental uh, situation. Uh, and speaking of Halloween, the sequel to Halloween, Halloween 2, takes place in a hospital where Laurie Stroud has been taken following her grueling Halloween night. Uh, and speaking of hospitals, for my classic halloween costume i've chosen the nurse uh, obviously nurses have been a very important part of uh of the global conversation for the last two years our, our frontline healthcare workers we can salute them <laughs> this feels like pandering <laughs> <laughs> well i told you my goal is to win uh but of course you know the nurse uh, there's some classic iconography there if you want to make it sexy you can make it sexy if you want to make it more uh, more down to earth uh, a sort of a uh, a scrubs vibe perhaps you can certainly go that route as well uh, comfortable clothing often uh, if you're going to go the the more classic scrub route and you know wear those those comfy pants so if you're someone like me who likes to be comfortable in my halloween costume you could certainly do worse than the nurse or if you are someone who likes to be a little more lascivious or salacious in your halloween attire then you can go that route as well 
I don't know. I think it would be kind of disrespectful after everything nurses have gone through over the past two years, as you said, Chris, to dress up with them, to be like, oh, I'd love to switch places with you. It must be so easy to be a nurse for a night. So uh, maybe if you guys are thinking about voting for Chris's nightmare team, consider the feelings of our frontline workers and the heroes who have guided us through this pandemic. I went with something much less problematic and disrespectful. (laughs) Uh, Mine can also be sexy as well if you want it to be. Uh, but I went with the classic <laughs> sheet ghost. Ah, it's a simple costume. Making light of the dead, are we? <laughs> After this <laughs> pandemic. Um, of course, not everyone knows that a sheet ghost is a very respectful way to portray the dead. Um, you cut a couple holes in a sheet. <laughs> you throw it over your head. You're good to go. It's quick. It's easy. It's very comfortable. You can lie down anywhere you want and you have a sheet. Um you can make it sexy if you want. You can get a tight, form-fitting sheet. <laughs> what in the world? Well, you you brought up the sexy thing. I wanted mm-hmm. to match your your right. sex appeal. Um, um, I, they're also adorable. What's cuter than a little spooky ghost walking around going, ooh, nothing. So, uh, yeah, best costume, sheet ghost. Yeah, I will say that's a great choice, Griffin. A point in your favor is that the sheet ghost is worn by one of my all-time favorite uh, Halloween time characters, E.T., the extraterrestrial. Oh, a great Halloween costume. All right, I'm going to follow it up. This was our favorite Halloween decoration. Mm -hmm. I went with something that you'll see all around the neighborhood. I saw several of them on our walk to the studio today. It's the classic lawn tombstone. Mm -hmm. You stick them in your lawn. You can put something really funny on it. Yeah, those are really funny. Watch your step or something like that, something really quirky to show off your personality. It's a great way to spook trick-or-treaters as they come up to your door. So nothing better. Yeah, I agree. Um, Speaking of things we saw on our walk, on my way over here, I did see uh, something. Like, you know how people sometimes have the the elf legs sticking out of the trunk around Christmas time? Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw just an arm sticking out of the trunk, and it did for a second genuinely scare me. I was like, whoa. And then I realized that this was, of course, Halloween time. I was heading here to do our Halloween episode. It was a Halloween decoration. But still, for that brief second, it did genuinely scare me. So kudos to that vehicle. That's a pretty funny story. Uh, for my decoration, I, I considered picking the the humble cobweb. But in the end, I had to go with the scarecrow on the porch. That I mean, it's a the thing about, like you said, it's the fear of the unknown that really... Uh, is the root of all fears and not knowing whether that person on the porch is a scarecrow or the owner of the house dressed up as a scarecrow and preparing to scare you. That's, it's a very powerful feeling. You know, you can, you never know what exactly you're going to get. You might be holding a pitchfork, which of course can be used to stab you. Uh, so yeah, what what do you think? Are you a fan of the the scarecrow on the porch? Usually in a wooden chair, I find. Yeah, that was a good choice. I had I was gotten by that multiple times as a child. I think the worst part is when it is actually a scarecrow because you're waiting for it mm-hmm. to come and it never does come, and you walk away feeling like an idiot. You're like, was that just a scarecrow, or did the guy just decide to lay low this time to get the next people even worse? So uh, a great choice. And Chris, do you want to finish off our? Halloween nightmare teams with a Halloween song. I do. And for my song, I've selected the classic track uh, by Rockwell, of course, as we all remember. Uh, Somebody's Watching Me. 
I always feel like somebody's watching me. Yeah, um, you, you know, uh, I mean, could you sing a few bars just for us? Yeah, I, I definitely could. I always feel like oh. somebody's watching me, but I know about me. Uh, of course, some uncredited vocals by Michael Jackson, who, of course, is a a, a horror song icon with his Thriller song. Uh, he It was uncredited, but there is a very clear hee-hee at one point in the song, <laughs> which makes it unmistakable. That's basically a credit. Yeah, precisely. Uh, there's some great lyrics in this one. Uh, a, few, a few quick notes here. Uh, one of my favorite line readings in a song, because, you know, Rockwell, he doesn't really sing. He mostly talks throughout the song. Uh, most people only remember the chorus, but I like the verses. Uh, he says at one point, When I'm in the shower, I'm afraid to wash my hair. Uh, and I just I really like that one. Uh, at one point, he wonders if it's the IRS that is watching him. Uh, he's He's got a lot going on in his life, Rockwell does. And I, I love his performance on this track. And it's suitably scary for the Halloween season. But Griffin... Why don't you close us out with your Halloween tune? Yeah, what is scarier at this time of year? What is scarier in music history than hard rock and roll? So for my Halloween song, I'm going with Highway to Hell by ACDC. I mean, first of all, just a great song. The guitar is wailing. The singer is also wailing. (laughs) It's spooky. Uh... Hey, mama, look at me. I'm on my way to the promised land. I'm on the highway to hell. Uh, Nobody's going to slow me down. Scary to be driving in a fast car. So I think it's a scary song. I think it's a spooky song. Most of all, I think it's a great song with a a horror kick. So highway to hell, that's my choice for the best Halloween song. So Chris, would you like to recap your team once more for the people to help them vote? Yes, absolutely. Uh, So my Halloween nightmare team, uh, my... Food, my candy, <laughs> I don't even know my own categories. My candy is the Crunch Bar. My monster is the Wolfman. My film is Halloween. My costume is the Nurse. Offensive. My decoration is the Scarecrow on the Porch. And my song is Rockwell's Somebody's Watching Me. Griffin, your team. Uh, here is the ultimate Halloween nightmare team. Uh, that My candy is a caramel. Uh, my monster is the classic mummy. My movie is the hilarious Beetlejuice. My costume is the adorable sheet ghost. Uh, my decoration is the quirky lawn tombstone. Offensive. And <laughs> you're waiting for one to chime in on, weren't you? <laughs> I always chimed in on caramel. <laughs> and my song is the classic Highway to Hell. Uh, some great choices there, I think, for both sides. I think, however yeah, this tough uh, one. however this poll shakes out, I do not envy the position of our listeners uh, to select the winner here. But you know, we Griffin, we we ran long on this one. The yeah, scariest they, thing of all, a long podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty spooked by the time that it's showing us. Um, but thank you all so much for listening. Uh, please, once more, check out the new, brand new show Twitter account at HFLC Podcast. You could be one of our first followers. Mm-hmm. And that would, I think that would change my life, knowing that I was one of the first followers. It would be huge for you. It would be huge for us. It would make all of our days. Uh, Of course, you can follow Griffin at GriffinPorter97, G-R-I-F-F-I-N-P-O-R-T-E-R-9-7. And you can follow myself at C-H-O-W-S-O-N, C-H-O-W-S-O-N, as in Nancy, J-A-N, also as in Nancy, Nancy Loomis from Nightmare on Elm Street. Wait, that's not right. Did you have to 
clarify that? Are you concerned that over the past few episodes you've been <laughs> losing followers to someone at see the Howsome Jam? Uh, you never know. You never ever know. Maybe that's someone who like tweets out like inside the jam making process, mm-hmm. so they're like, "See how some jam." Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Is me. Or it could be a guy named Sam who's chowing on some jam. Chow Sam jam. <laughs> uh, well, but either way, the important thing is that you follow us on Twitter and that you rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I've heard that Apple Podcast ratings are important. Uh, I don't know why or how, but you know, just do that for if you're our on Apple own podcast. Self worth. Yeah, and Griffin loves the stats, so be sure to just keep listening and yeah, please boosting his ego. Uh, but that's going to do it for now. Uh, until next time, keep your ceilings high and your floors low. Goodbye. Good. Oh, good. Uh, happy Halloween. Happy <laughs> Halloween. That's a good one. That was fun.